you hear this bullshit they be talking? Every day, man, it's like these motherfuckers is just like professional liars, you know what I'm saying? It's wow. Listen. Bin Laden then blow up projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Push knock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Push knock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Bin Laden then blow up projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Push knock down the tower. Tell the truth, nigga. Push knock down the tower. I pledge no allegiance, nigga. Fuck the president's speeches. I'm baptized by America and covered in leeches. The dirty water that bleaches your soul and your facial features. Drowning you in propaganda that they spit through the speakers. What's going on, guys? My name is Alden Nero, and welcome to episode 81 of the Midnight Hour. It's the second episode that we've done this week, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, this episode is a continuation to the conspiracy theme idea that uh, myself and Dr. John started about two weeks ago uh, when we made our episode about false flags and conspiracy theories. By the way, if any of you are in an aspiring punk rock band, Call yourself the False Flags. It's such a great name for a punk rock band. I can even picture the logo with, like, you know, a pseudo-anarchy sign or, like, a Jolly Roger or something. You could, like, change the brand every time you release an album. It would be amazing. Anyway, maybe that's a discussion for my music podcast at some point. But this episode is kind of specifically about 9-11. I had a few different topics that we were going to touch on, but... John was busy uh, that night. He he was only available uh, to be booked for an hour and a half. So we got through that hour and a half and pretty much the entire conversation consisted of 9-11. So um, I'm going to title this episode 9-11 Conspiracy Theories because that is honestly what the bulk of the episode is about. And it's just obviously it's such an expansive and um, like heavy topic i think heavy is a good word um it's not the most light-hearted episode we've ever done but i think a lot of you will find it pretty interesting and i would like to encourage anybody who has any problems with what what we're saying or any aspects of a conspiracy theory within 9-11 that we didn't discuss to uh to leave a comment or post it on the subreddit because we're gonna make a few episodes about different conspiracy theories and we don't profess to be experts on these subjects i would have made this podcast a few years ago and said this is not a conspiracy lol you are an idiot and that's not what I'm trying to do this time. I'm trying to like actively and honestly engage with the information that's available to me to make what I believe to be an objective and honest assessment rather than laughing at anyone who believes in a conspiracy theory. So if you do have any issue with what we said, hit us up. Um, I think we did the best we could considering neither of us are structural engineers. So um, yeah, uh, honestly, if you want us to talk about any conspiracy theory in particular, like Roswell or the moon landings or anything like that, uh, give them... Uh, or sorry, uh, leave a post on the subreddit and recommend it because we will definitely be checking that out. And uh, I think we're going to make a few conspiracy theory episodes, so it's pretty good. It's interesting for us to, to go and research it. So um, without further ado, um, the song opening the episode is Bin Laden by Immortal Technique featuring Mos Def. It's a song which is highly inaccurate in its information but enjoyable nonetheless i've talked about it on my channel before a few years ago i, I think it might have been in the macklemore video i did i'm not sure but um yeah it's a it's a fun song no matter how incorrect it is and obviously it's highly relevant to the topic so i hope you guys like that and i will speak to you guys at the end of the episode hope that you enjoy it it was your nigga tell a joke nigga 
say the rebels in Iraq still fight for Saddam, but that's bullshit. I'll show you why it's totally wrong. No power in the verse can stop me. I'm joined today by Dr. John once again. Thank you for coming back onto the show. Um, You're very welcome. Today we're going to discuss conspiracy theories because last week we shook your faith in the government and all of the institutions around you and your very grasp on reality. And this week we're going to like squeeze whatever faith you had left in the world out of you by discussing conspiracy theories um, and agreeing with all of them. Nah, uh, we're... <laughs> gonna hopefully do enough to debunk certain conspiracy theories um as they exist in the world um but obviously neither of us are structural engineers nor are we um you know high-ranking officials working out of roswell and things <laughs> of that nature so um we can only really speak to the evidence that we read on the internet so um i guess remember that but also remember that you as a conspiracy theorist also have to do that <laughs> like that's that's the burden that you also have to uh live by you know you can only go by the facts that are given to you so um with that in mind we're gonna start off talking about the absolute big dog the biggest conspiracy theory for me this is the one thing that sort of gave rise to the idea of conspiracy theory culture i, I think it was a complete fringe movement beforehand or or a fringe subculture that maybe at comic con every now and then they'd discuss like whether or not in 1993 the whole um attempted trade center or the oklahoma bombing was an inside job and stuff like that yeah, um, but September 11, 2001 happened, and I feel like that is when conspiracy theory culture, as it exists now, just for want of a better term, blew up. And um, I can only really say that based on my own experience, because I was 10 years old at the time, but I noticed afterwards the amount of documentaries uh, pertaining to conspiracy theories and the amount of dvds with conspiracy theories in them that were released and things like that it just seemed to skyrocket again my perception of that may be skewed because i was 10 but that's how i feel about it anyway um mm. so uh the actual conspiracy that actually happened on 9-11 was that 19 al-qaeda members um you know they conspired they hijacked planes they crashed them into buildings um it was a day that changed the entire world on a scale that probably nothing did since you know world war Two era yeah um and these were mostly saudi arabia uh, nationals members of al-qaeda yep. they hijacked uh, different flights in new york or in america at least and flew them into different landmarks in america so what do you think is the best way to start this off do you think we should maybe discuss the more rational aspects of the conspiracy theory um i guess yeah like it, I, I think the kind of maybe the easiest starting point would be to say kind of what objectively happened i.e like the buildings that were taken down the amount of people who were killed and then from there talk about well reasons why it might have been a conspiracy it might have been kind of conspired by the u.s government's to commit it and then the pros and cons for that etc etc yeah um, that's a good idea like, like uh like the, the the time lag between the two planes i think is significant in that there's so much footage of the second plane hitting which makes sense but then there's i don't know if you've heard of like the the no plane fundamentalists 
Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that that that's crazy. And then obviously, it wasn't just the two buildings, like the uh, twin towers that were knocked down. There was like uh, many other buildings as well. Yeah, including like, the uh, World Trade Center Seven, which is um, what truthers say the most problematic one for rationalists to debunk. Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I think it's like World Trade Centers 3 to 7, uh, all like with varying kind of damage levels, and then a couple of them being completely totaled and, and being annihilated, yeah. destroyed. So then the Pentagon as well. This is downtown New York. It's the financial hub. It's a huge sector for um, finance. And, and like, you know, there's what 2,996 people died in the September 11 attacks um, yeah. and over 6,000 people were injured. So it, it's, it is the largest uh, like terrorist attack in history. Yeah. Like domestic terror, especially like with the United States and everything like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, do you remember where you were? Yeah, like I remember when I I was being picked up from secondary school. Uh, it was a sunny Tuesday. I was coming back home. I think we were let out of school early. And then when I was getting into the car, my mom was just telling me all about it. Uh, just like kind of what happened. And I came home and the news was on and everybody was just reeling at the at the sight of, of, of the crash and the buildings and, and the horror that ensued. What yeah. about you? Um, I was in primary school and... Um... Like no teacher told us or anything, but I remember I was I got into my childminder's car and her son who was in the year above me and also used to sort of routinely bully me and I really hated him and I, I remember she said there was a huge attack in America um, and then he said good I wanted Al Gore to win and I was like wow you are such a prick <laughs> and Jesus, that's yeah. that's like the first thing I remember. Um, and yeah. then I, so um, we went home, well, back to their house, and uh, I was watching Friends on TV because that's what you do when you go home from primary school. And Definitely. there was it. I was watching Friends on. It was on Sky One at the time. This was before E Four bought it and played it on repeat all day every day. <laughs> and um, it, it it came up and said breaking news on Friends. Well, I was like wow. that. That never happens, or at least it never happened back in the day. Like it, I I feel like this was slightly before the era of all news being breaking news. Um, yeah. But yeah, it said breaking news, and so we turned over, and um, I. Th feel like I saw the second plane hit live, but I'm not sure if I actually did or not. I'm not sure if I'm remembering that properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but either way, yeah, I remember just being absolutely, like, terrified and shocked and not even fully able to process it all. Because I, I, I think the first thing in my mind was just the idea that somebody would like kamikaze like i didn't know the concept of kamikaze or a, a human using themselves as a proponent of an attack you know what i mean like i, I had, yeah yeah i had no like ability to perceive that at, at that age and i thought it was really interesting and terrifying at the same time so yeah no totally it's it's, it's frightening like and obviously that was utilized by the japanese in world war Two as a yeah. very effective means of uh targeting the enemy yeah um, it's pretty crazy. Like, I mean, it is one of the most crazy things I can imagine doing. I just, I, I can't imagine the mindset of someone who would go and do that, but there you have it. Yeah. Um, so we had, there were four passenger airlines, um, that were hijacked. Um, the, the it was 19 separate terrorists. So I guess that's 
what, like 4.5 terrorists per plane that were taking it over. So, you know, you're talking like five terrorists on a plane. Um, they had box cutters. Um, some of the people, uh, conspiracy theorists, will say, well, how did they get box cutters? And the answer is this was before 9-11. So, exactly, yeah. Where um, you could take, like, fluids on. You could take, like, yeah. electrical equipment. Richard Dawkins, scissors. Could, Richard Dawkins could take his jar of honey on and not have to tweet <laughs> seven times about it. Um, yeah, so, so, like, f- say five terrorists per plane. Um, using box cutters, they stabbed the um, the air hostesses and air hosts and stuff like that to death. Uh, obviously, a lot of them had piloting experience. They took over the plane. Um, so the first plane hit the first uh, World Trade Center. It was, it was caught on camera by some guys who were filming like a documentary in downtown Manhattan. Wow, wow. Um, did you ever see that footage? I think they were firefighters or they were filming a documentary about firefighters or something um but the, you just hear them say holy shit and the camera shoots up to the sky and the plane goes yes straight i did into the see building. that actually yeah 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 it's crazy it's that so is crazy. harrowing yeah. to watch um yeah. yeah that was the first one and then uh the second one hit the second trade center was it it was like was it two hours later or later on that day I, yeah, I, I, it was definitely, I think, within two hours. Let's see um, if we can find the time. Yeah, I don't actually have a timeline in front of me because I'm really good at podcasting. Um, mm. So th- that's that's the way that I go about doing it. Um, it was it was uh, 20 minutes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I definitely didn't see it live then. No way. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Um, yeah. And... Just the psychological impact of the people watching and everything. When you see those videos, it's it's so harrowing. Like just hearing the screams, the cries. Yeah, it's horrible. It's it like it's pretty much one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and then obviously the photos, the people jumping out and everything. Yeah. Like it was it was just like a such a human tragedy. And then uh, like thirty four minutes after the second plane hit, um, the. Uh, American Airlines Flight 77, which is the one that hit the Pentagon, um, mm. that 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 went flying into the Pentagon at that time, and then less than half an hour after that, uh, United Airlines Flight 93, which is you know United 93 is the movie that was made on that. Um, yeah, that was a plane that went like uh, what cascading into a field in uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, and the working theory there is that the passengers sort of heroically revolted. Yeah, yeah. They revolted and overcame the um, the terrorist plot as uh, at, at their own yeah, at, at the cost of their own lives. Um, yeah. So that those are the, the those are the facts. That's the four planes that crashed. Um, those are the four planes that were hijacked. So um, I, I guess like the the easiest conspiracy theory to start off with is the idea that what is the easiest one to start off with how do you even rationally speaking um did the government have intel that this was going to happen maybe um yeah which i I... think it's fair to assume that yes they did or or rather not that they thought that it was going to happen but they definitely had brought it up in previous security concerns as a possibility. Exactly. Like, for instance, some of the uh, Saudi Arabian passengers were on a watch list by the FBI. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's been kind of admitted by the FBI themselves, uh, a significant proportion. And 
all of a sudden sort of they're boarding a, a plane together and they're not properly security cleared and that it, it is sort of interesting like you know what i mean yeah but I, to contextualize it and remember that as you said earlier this was pre-9-11 exactly. or maybe on the day it was still basically pre-9-11 so it's we have to contextualize it before we kind of get into the whole why didn't they of course they were terrorists or, or of course there was a huge possibility they would be like the, the, it wasn't a huge possibility pre nine eleven. The that airport shooter a couple of months ago, the um the guy who was uh was he a, he was a um a war vet and he a military vet and he went to the FBI and said I'm hearing voices ISIS are telling me to kill people, and okay they gave him his gun back, and then he went into the airport and shot a bunch of people. That that was recently. So, yeah. like, th- this type of thing is not really beyond... Like, what can you do without essentially thought policing people, you know? Like, you yeah. can put people on a watch list, but you can't arrest them for crimes that they haven't committed. So, um, True. it's... I mean, I think a lot of blame could be placed on, like, America, but I kind of feel like it, it's unfair to do so because there's no real way that they could have actually acted on that information. Well, um, what about... Putting a Sky Marshal on the plane. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as far as I know, though, they only started that after 9-11. Okay. okay. I, I, don't, I don't know that for a fact now, but I'd never heard of a, an Air Marshal before. I, I, yeah, I, I thought yeah. that that was a new thing that came in after 9-11. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, it's set, like the genesis of the conspiracy theory is that 9-11 was an inside job. Um, yeah. That that's pretty much the fundamental understanding of uh, it, like it's the fact that America not only allowed it to happen, but that America kind of played a part in it happening, uh, with the idea, long term goal of extracting oil from Iraq, which yeah, I and Afghanistan and Afghanistan, yeah, they they went into Iraq first though, didn't they? I think so, yeah. Um. Yeah, after much lobbying and stuff, and, and the entire nation thought that it was the right thing to do. But yeah, so, so I mean, th- there's no real practical way of saying that the terrorists were operating on behalf of America, really. Exactly, yeah. I, I definitely don't think there were any direct ties between those terrorists and America because it wouldn't have made any sense from a U.S. point of view. Yeah. It would have been too easy for one of them to defect and just release information that they'd been given. If anything, it had to come from a top-down, either like an Al-Qaeda representative working with the U.S. or even kind of a, a double agent or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it wouldn't have made sense for them to have direct contact, but um, the um, like... the nine eleven commission, um, like one of the main things that they said afterwards, which was basically the nine eleven commission was like this uh, committee put together to try and essentially sum up what happened and and how it was allowed to happen and stuff, and they called it a failure of imagination that this was something that they could never perceive but we know that to be a lie we know that they had like at least considered it a possibility in the past and now that's not to say that even if they were convinced of it being a possibility that there was something that they could have done because like airline regulations weren't as tight you know like they had the people on the watch list but what can they do like this was a different world you yeah. Know, before that, so it, it's hard to. 
not not hard to fault them, but hard to see what they could have done. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's the whole thing is that they think Bush did nine eleven. I I don't really believe that to be true either. Um. One of the main things that comes about is uh the idea that the that jet fuel can't melt steel beams. That there's no way that the planes could have taken the towers down. No steel structure has ever been downed as a result of a fire. Um, yeah. It was definitely a controlled demolition. It it clearly collapsed into its own shadow. It fell at free fall speed, stuff like that. Yeah. So look, the building was not brought down as a result of a fire. The building was brought down as a result of a fucking plane flying into the side of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And people say, well, the buildings were made to withstand an airliner crashing into it. Yes, that's true. In the 1920s, when the when the plans yeah. were designed, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, exactly. It, it's so it's it's nonsense to to try and bring that kind of argument to the fray. Um, people say, like, sure, the building fell into its own shadow. Yes, that is actually what happens. Like, you're getting your knowledge from movies like King Kong and stuff like that. If you think yeah. that all buildings have to sway in order to fall over, the fact that it didn't fall over instantly when the plane crashed into it just goes to show how much struggle had to go on within the building and, and structurally and stuff like yeah. that in order for it to fall and people say like oh well uh people in the basement heard explosions and stuff and to that the rebuttal is if you have ever been in a high-rise building um sometimes they i used to work in a in a a building on like the eighth floor and sometimes they would come to clean the windows and they take the pain out and at the part where they're loosening the pane, it changes the air pressure and you feel it in your ears. So when you have yeah. a building the size of the, the trade centers, like the explosions that they heard were basically the windows popping out um, yeah. and, and the air pressure changing and the effect that that has on the structure as it falls down into its own shadow. Like that's, uh, there's no evidence to support the idea that the, um, that, that there were explos explosives planted in the building and... I I don't know. I know. Like it doesn't even make sense from like kind of a construction point of view that like someone could easily have bumped into the amount of explosives that would be needed to down it in a controlled demolition. Yeah, I know. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And also the, there'd be evidence like I, I have heard kind of reports of thermite, which is like kind of a, a highly incendiary substance yeah. being found at ground level. But apparently, like the different, obviously the combustion and everything of like the the plane with the building created a lot of chemical debris. So it's not that out of the question that something like that could almost be formed when you have like jet fuel and and all the other materials, asbestos as well, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, like the jet fuel did not melt the steel beams; it significantly weakened it, and that will exactly. happen. Exactly, and that's all that was needed. Yeah, like yeah. when you've got something as heavy as a skyscraper on beams that aren't perfectly sound it doesn't take much for it to collapse and and, and fall yeah and people try people are imagining oh the steel beams were they, they they were turning to liquid it's like no you don't need to turn it to liquid in order for it to collapse yeah it's this is the thing that i hate about dealing with conspiracy theorists um mm. talking about 9-11 is that they're so disingenuous like the, yeah they come at you and say stuff like no steel structure has ever fallen as a result of a fire like a yes it has if you google it you'll find instances of it happen it happened 10 exactly, years ago yeah. um like also just like jet fuel can't melt steel beams like look 
you're not a structural engineer. Like, yeah. you have to stop, like, professing this knowledge that you yeah. don't have. It, it's so obvious it, that you're doing like, this to sound smart. Exactly. Like, it's like the mantra of the uneducated. They think that they have a watertight argument with just jet fuel can't melt steel beams in five words. They think that they have, like, the whole thing cracked. It's sort of intellectually dishonest. Completely intellectually dishonest. Like, it's, it's just like pontificate it's it's just like flexing imaginary muscles almost like and also i think they all always say hindsight is 2020 when we think about the nsa leaks edward snowden all of that like if there was any whisper of an inside job don't you think that would be one of the first things that he would have leaked or that would have been capable of like russian hacking or chinese hacking etc yeah not not like, to mention I mean? like the, the fact that operation northwoods as we discussed in the last episode was planned and jfk was like what no get the fuck out of here with that shit exactly like, yeah like like, like I, I guess we're not trying to say that it, it couldn't be an inside job but we're saying that the evidence overwhelmingly points to it not being an inside job in this case yeah one thing however that i do find kind of incredible really is have you ever heard of the guy called larry silverstein yeah yeah so like he put six months before 9-11 he kind of re-upped his kind of insurance stronghold on the twin towers for three and a half billion yeah between like one two four and five like the, the those four world trade center buildings like isn't that kind of really interesting um my rebuttal to that would be that Yes, it's interesting, but also it's it's not uncommon practice for that to happen. Like, you're going to have to renew your insurance deals at times. But also, what was it? You said 3.6 billion. Like, yeah, but I think he, he kind of insured them for that much. But when that happened, he saw it like over 7 billion. Yeah, the cost of all the buildings was 7 billion. So, like, him placing that insurance on it was not actually, like, financial gain for him. You know what I mean? Oh, I know, I know. But just the timing of it, I guess, is like the chances of it. Like no one could have expected what would happen. And him basically saving himself six months before like a, a, a monstrous catastrophe is, is to me slightly unbelievable. But like obviously it can happen. I, I don't think, though, that it actually benefited him because he saw seven billion, but I don't think he got seven billion. Okay. I, I think, I, d I don't know what he was paid out in the end, like, from his insurance, but I don't think that he ever, like, recuperated the money or anything like that. Okay, okay. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't really come across that, I guess. On yeah. A, like, proper, like, I haven't properly gone into it and done a deep dive on that specific part. Yeah, but... and, it, and it's possible it could, could have happened anyway as well. It's, it's not, like, kind of incriminating. There are lots of coincidences that kind of, um, that kind of obscure or, like, that kind of skew the truth a little bit, I think, with 9-11. Like, the fact that the jet fighters were, they were practicing, they were doing drills, um, mm. on, on the day that it happened, like, that's suspect, I think. Like, yeah. you know, like, the constant, like, is this a drill? Is this real? Is this really happening? And stuff like that. Um, like, that, that's sort of commonly um, cited as well. as a... Surely the first thing, though, that you make sure when you're running a drill is <sighs> there's a word for, okay, this is not a drill. Yeah, I know, yeah. You know well, what I mean? I, I think it is. It's that they say this is not a drill, but I think the... Um, 
like outrageousness and, and like the unprecedented level of these attacks just made the fighters be like are, are you being serious right now yeah yeah so i don't know um yeah. so um trade center seven will we talk about that i was just about to say i think that's an extraordinarily interesting facet of the whole 9 11 um like myth yeah so um I, I don't know what the what they gave the official reason for its destruction was but it was definitely brought down by debris cascading off the trade center one and two um and hitting that building and then it was destroyed by fire ultimately um but interestingly here's here's what i think debunks the idea that they pulled that tower on purpose um there were like hundreds of firefighters at ground zero at that time and the fire chief was like that building's gonna fall down get everyone out of it and they did and then it fell down like what's the conspiracy theory aspect wasn't wasn't that an fbi building that was having a fire drill that day i haven't heard that actually in a documentary i heard that building seven was actually empty the day of 9-11 and that was because they were running kind of different like safety management protocols is that that's a recent documentary isn't it yeah yeah i don't think that's accurate at all um okay okay when i was researching this and i admittedly did not do a deep dive because it's like if we were to do that we would have to make this its own topic and we have other stuff to get to um but what i heard was that the the fire chiefs evacuated the building um very early on because they anticipated its demise and it was apparently like overwhelmingly obvious that the building was gonna fall okay okay um uh, but, but but they said they used the word evacuated in every source that i read about it so yeah um i don't know um yeah i have never heard that it was empty yeah according to that documentary when i looked it up that's what they said that it was a kind of a fire drill safety protocol being carried out that day and so there was actually no one in there and it and it came oh. down hmm, maybe that is accurate i'm not sure but wasn't that the same building that the news reporters claimed was down before it actually was? Yeah, it was BBC. Yeah, uh, how weird is that, though? Yeah, it, like, that is weird. But, I, like, amidst the shock and confusion, I don't think... Like, lots of buildings around that area were destroyed. Yeah. Like, yeah. it wasn't just the trade centres. And, like, for, I admit that that's weird. Like, it is weird. But in order for that to be a part of the conspiracy theory, you have to make the leap that, like, okay, George Bush or whoever, like, let's say Dick Cheney or, or, or even someone in the deep state, something like that. They're just like, all right, so we're going to bring down all these towers and stuff like that. Now contact all the news agencies, <laughs> let them know that this is going to be the official story and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. You, And, like, even if you were to do that, whatever, there's no way you'd be able to get an international news agency like BBC on board. Like, yeah. contact the member of uh, BBC News and tell them that Trade Center 7 is going to go down at this time. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense for it Considering to be... what you just said there, it sounds like perhaps that if sort of the fire chief did evacuate the building, that probably means that the building was being spoken about between the people. And because of that, then the news organization may have caught wind of the building name, etc., and just assumed it went down. Yeah, yeah, because um, somebody said 
in reference to that building on uh, the radio airwaves to pull it. Um, mm. and, and basically people think like, oh, they said pull it, that means demolish it. Like, mm. I, I looked it up and that's not what demolition <laughs> control men say when they're pulling yeah, a building. Yeah, no, exactly. They, they don't say pull it, they say blow yeah, it. Or, you exactly. know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, people say, like, yeah, the fact that they said pull it, that's proof and stuff. Like, no, when, when they say pull it, they mean get everybody out of it. Like, stop trying to save it it's gone like it's it's done that building is gonna fall and that's what happened although my experience pulling does usually lead to an explosion but i think that's getting off topic (laughs) that was poor (laughs) (laughs) you and your toilet Um, humor he's a doctor ladies and gentlemen this is a doctor have you heard about building six um yeah now not I, I i didn't come across it while i was researching this but i did um back in the day i watched the zeitgeist movie i used to listen to alex jones we'll talk about alex jones after this um cool. but yeah so I, I have heard about building six and i've heard that it is also an incredibly suspicious aspect. it's really suspicious and also like if you go back to the photographs that were actually taken the day of 9 11 and you look through them there's something that appears to be sort of almost too weird to be true and as if you look over building six you see the sort of it's sort of a cuboid cavity running through the center of the building really? the rest of the building is standing it, it's smashed to bits on the outside as if it had been like kind of hit by debris and and all the rest but there's still within the building a cuboid shaft empty shaft running all the way down through the building it's absolutely bizarre looking hmm. i'm looking it's at really, it now. really interesting I guess, yeah, that is weird. Jesus, it looks like something that you'd see on the newspaper in, like, Syria nowadays. I know, yeah, it's terrible. Um, mm. And, like, there's no... Like, for instance, debris would destroy the outside of a building before it would destroy the inside, right? Because there's only one way it can can get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's through the outside. Through the top or whatever. Yeah. But, but, but that's not kind of at all the way it appears. No, it's not. It looks like it's been swallowed as part of an earthquake or something. Exactly, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. People are calling it the smoking gun of 9-11. I don't think it's quite at that level. But it's definitely worthy of, of comment and investigation. Yeah, I've just Googled uh, WTC Building 6 debunked and I can't see anything. Like, no obvious... Uh... Yeah. That that is interesting. That's something that we should look into because we are going to do a part two to this episode, and I'm sure that people will have comments and feedback anyway. For yeah, us definitely to have a look. Like at. as you said, it, it's such a vast and broad topic it's that there huge, was no way to yeah. research it all. And it's, it's it, the nine eleven of conspiracy theory topics. And if I play devil's advocate for a moment and say it was an inside job, then probably the evidence leading towards that conclusion is going to be a bit fringe. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, relying on feedback from other sources would be really good for the next episode. Will we move on to the Pentagon? Yeah, that sounds really good. So this is an actually, um, it it is a more complicated aspect of it, because when you look at the photographs that were published, it doesn't look like a plane hit that building at all. Exactly, yeah. Um, So the idea is that this terrible pilot... uh, um, this guy was not given a pilot license like two weeks previous because he failed an amateur uh, flying course. Have you heard that? Yeah. The guy who... Was it like the simulation? 
Um, no, I don't think so. It was a real plane, but it was one that two people fly. And his flying okay. instructor was an American guy, and he absolutely did not give him... He was like, no, nah, this guy's a terrible pilot. Um, so wow. I actually think that that strengthens the rational outlook on the attack itself because the idea is that or the theory is that the the pentagon is uh, has quite clearly not been hit well enough uh, by a plane it was definitely a missile or something there's no way a plane mm. can um and also there's no video evidence of it which is untrue there is video evidence of it um is that that video where it's like going so fast you can barely make it out yeah it's six frames uh that have been sped up is that like have they slowed that down sufficiently to see a plane? Um, as far as I understand, yeah. Because isn't, isn't it kind of funny that like in the twenty first century the Pentagon doesn't have like high speed cameras dotted around checking for things like this? They have it, but the FBI seized all the tapes and wouldn't let anyone see them. Why? What's in it? Yep, it's definitely suspect. <laughs> Um, Isn't that weird? It's very weird. Now, I I would assume it's because America super paranoid um, about like their I guess military yeah. like infrastructure and stuff that they don't want to give anything away, um, and maybe the tapes would show some kind of lack of structural integrity or some kind of weakness somewhere or something like or that. Or also just kind of showing your hand shows the quality of the cameras, etc. that you'd use. Yeah. And so it would kind of, if there's anything in any way wrong with it or subpar, I think it would bolster sort of, I don't know, enemy, uh, I don't know, yeah, just, just, just trying to bring them to a superior level than the US. Yeah, I, I, like American military is just an incredibly like paranoid exactly institution yeah. and the pentagon is just notoriously shadowy and invisible if you know what i mean like it's not yeah. there's no transparency there um same with all the other superpowers though in fairness yeah it is yeah absolutely yeah. um so what i think about this plane flying into it i read that when the plane did fly into the pentagon um it only had one wing at the time that it flew into it because mm. the guy actually did such a terrible job of trying to make that flight, which reinforces the idea of him being a bad pilot, which, you know, that sticks to the official story right there. Um, but the fact that it only had one wing uh, just completely took away a lot of its momentum as it was coming down. Okay. So it didn't actually go headfirst into it at a like at a slow speed like the ones that the trade center did to maximize casualties and um and you know horror and chaos and all of that stuff um this was more of a botched attack really um okay when this one winged plane like kind of stuttered into the building and for people who say like it didn't do a whole lot of damage the pentagon is more solidly um structured than the Trade Center, and probably any other building, like, yeah. I iconic building in America. Um, it's it's reinforced, like, five times over, and the plane hit four layers of the concrete reinforcement, which is damn well significant. And they always share photos where you don't see any, like, plane-related thing, like... But then, if you zoom out on the photos, 
or, or like you look at the actual the full photos you can see seats you can see pieces of the wing like you can see things that are definitely from a fucking exploded plane you know what i mean yeah yeah exactly um so yeah i mean it, it's it's like if you imagine when a car going at a really high speed if you ever see a car at high speed crash into a wall and there's nothing left of it like so people say right here's okay so we're supposed to believe that a plane flew into the pentagon and there's nothing left of the plane like motherfucker is there anything left of paul walker's car like we've all seen those photos like that's what happens when yeah a, a, a metal like vehicle at high speed crashes into something do you know what i mean yeah exactly like i'm sorry that's just what happens like you can't base all of your knowledge on things that you don't know you know what i mean like yeah oh i don't see a plane yeah that's that's actually what happens you know if you look at the photos you'll see other remnants of what used to be a plane before it hit the building at high speed people underestimate the velocity and also the force and also what it was actually hitting into just basically disintegrated it that's what happens it's um it's just people getting their knowledge of the working world from movies like i truly believe that that's why people are so skeptical about it is because they've seen in movies that that's not what happens i think i i think i probably banged this drum a little bit too much on the midnight hour but i I genuinely believe that like a really high percentage of our worldview comes from the things that we see in movies because we have no other reality-based idea of what it's like do you know what i mean yeah like if you think of a plane falling you don't actually think of a time in real life where you saw it happen you'll think about it in movies like it just reinforces the idea in your head or the fallacy of it in your head and i yeah i genuinely think that that's kind of a large part of it is like you know this whole idea of these um like there's a a kind of a notorious guy within the truther movement i i I don't remember his name but he he was a structural engineer and part of a um society of structural engineers and all of that stuff and he's said there's no way any of this could have happened blah 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 blah. and everyone's like look this engineer said it and it's like yeah he was discredited by his entire group of engineer colleagues and you know what i mean like it's years yeah exactly it's just it's kind of I don't know, it gets to a stage where it's just you're definitely looking for something that's not here because I, I don't know what it is that makes people do that, but I, I sort of feel like it's that they want the feeling of perceived superiority. That's the impression that I get, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And they're like two minutes of fame. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have anything else to say about the Pentagon attack? Um, not about the Pentagon per se. I think we've kind of covered that quite well, but I would like to go back to the United Airlines Flight 93. Yeah, yeah. This, 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 this is actually you. You talk about it. I, well, I, I just think it's really interesting from a psychological point of view and as a thought experiment as well. Like, for instance, one of the most common thought experiments that people like put to each other, you know, like barstool philosophy, is if you had the opportunity to go back in time and say kill Hitler as an infant, would you do it? Yeah. And in a similar kind of vein, if you're on a plane that's being overtaken by terrorists, would you be the guy to stand up? And even if you're the, you get stabbed and killed, then maybe while you're being stabbed, other people can jump and, and unarm or disarm the terrorist. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, there were way more people on that plane than terrorists. Yeah. So it, it, it wasn't beyond like the realms of possibility that they retook control of the plane. I don't know. Was the pilot killed? Early on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the pilot was one of the first ones killed. 
And isn't there also... Can't planes now basically land themselves? Or was that not the same in 2001? I'm not 100% on that. Um, and to be honest, if I were commenting on it, I would just be regurgitating information that I heard on Plane Crash Investigation. Um, yeah. As far as I know, a plane can do almost anything without a pilot now. I yes. don't think it could back then. I don't think okay, so. Okay, yeah. Like, apparently, the only reason they put pilots on planes now is to give the passengers peace of mind because they're not actually needed. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but, but that, interesting. But that's not on, like, generic planes, you know what I mean? Like, your, your flight, your Ryanair flight from Ireland to the UK, like, that needs a pilot. That That's flown almost completely manually, like... Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I do get what you're saying, yeah. But anyway, I think it's a really interesting mm-hmm. question. Like, when there are enough people to sort of saturate the enemy force, as was the case in the United Airlines Flight 93. Like, what is it about people? Like, if you're going to definitely die if you don't do anything and potentially die if you do something, why not just do it? Yeah, it's... I Have you ever heard of the bystander effect? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, there's an inverse relationship between the amount of people surrounding you and your likelihood of getting help. Yeah, I heard recently that the bystander effect has actually been debunked. I don't think it's been debunked more so that the studies uh, claiming that they discovered it have methodological issues. Yeah, and I think you'll find that with most of these types of stuff. Like, even we talked about the Stanford Prison Experiment, and it's like... Yeah. Probably right, but eh, kind of shady way of going about it. But um, in my own personal experience, I... Can like if you if you were to like, it, you know, rip my brain out of my head and analyze it for the bystander effect, I believe that it is a hundred percent a real thing because in my experience, I don't do shit if there's other people around me. No yeah, fucking yeah. way. I I don't. If I'm at a bus stop and I hear someone just randomly asking anyone when a bus is coming or whatever, I'm not gonna be the guy who answers because I know exactly. someone else will. Like exactly. That's yeah. just that's who I'm it may very well be um a projection of my social anxiety or, or whatever but that's how it is with me I I don't do anything and if I was on that plane I can tell you with 100% certainty that I wouldn't do anything no fucking way the bystander effect makes perfect sense from an evolutionary point of view considering that we kind of lived in in social groups for instance if when someone came into a village or whatever uh, requiring help and every single person expended the energy to go over to them and see if they could help them, that would not be kind of an, an economy of energy. Whereas if there were a lot of people and say someone closest to him or he made a point of addressing one person in particular, asking them for help, that would make much more sense. So I think there's a lot of kind of intuitive sense to the bystander effect. Yeah. Um, maybe it just needs kind of more studies to flesh it out. But yeah, I, I definitely think that like the locus of responsibility in each of us is diluted by the people surrounding us when something bad happens. Yeah. And, and I think that there's also an interesting um, parallel between the way that nowadays, I feel like we always talk about the right left divide in every mm. episode um but you know the way the left are heavy into protesting now because they're not winning they're losing yes they're yeah. angry about it that is like a group mentality thing 
like yeah. they would not act like that by themselves exactly like yeah. it's it's a complete like nobody nobody would smash something because they disagree with what someone is oh, saying exactly it, it's a group think it's, thing it's, it's sheep slash herd mentality yeah and also what i said before about the locus of responsibility being diluted there's also kind of a, a similar thing to that where the kind of the locus of guilt yeah like the, there's nobody to blame when we all when we all hold hands yeah exactly if we're all doing terrible things like look do you remember the london riots yeah yeah that's a perfect example where like regular people everyday people good people would go out and just start trashing up a city or a town because everyone else is doing it and because of that then they don't feel as bad yeah it's crazy it is crazy it's, yeah and that that also um ties into like the way we tear people down online when they do stuff and we don't feel bad about ruining someone's life. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, but yeah... And I, also, I, sorry, sorry I was going to say also, um, to, like you were discussing the left there, but I don't know if you heard, there's a really uh, recent court case over a couple who were waving Confederate flags in Texas while driving past um, an African-American home, like pointing their guns. I think it was one of the uh, African-American homeowners' kids' birthday. Um, they actually received prison sentences yesterday, wow. something in the region of 10 years each. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. But again, what I sorry, like the, the, the main point of that is that during the court case, the woman uh, was bawling her eyes out, pleading with the judge, saying, this is not me, this is not me, I would never do this, I would never do this. And that goes back to kind of what we were talking about, where that, like, feeling of responsibility and those kind of feelings of guilt were diluted. She didn't feel them at the time because everyone else was doing it. She was with a group of people. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. But, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's it, there, there definitely is something to that. What I wonder about Flight 93 is that I know that for a, a while it was flying quite low um, mm. before it approached Pennsylvania, and I just wondered, did anybody get a text or something? Like, it feels to me like, you know, what was going on below them was the reshaping of their entire foundation. Like, their entire country was never going to be the same again, and they didn't know about that at all. And yet they're the ones that... It was the last plane. They're the ones that overpowered it. I just wonder, was somebody in communication with somebody? Yeah. But then my own rebuttal to myself there is, well, if they were, why didn't they text back? Yeah. I wonder, did information somehow spread around the plane? I don't know, but... Like, um, I get shivers when I think about that, you know what I mean? When you think about what a monumental <coughs> occasion it was, and also, like, the fact that they didn't have all the knowledge then, yet they were such an intrinsic part of it. Like, it's 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 so kind of spine-tingling, something really, I don't know. There's a theory that the U.S. military shot down the plane because there were there was debris found o over um, a radius of six miles as a result of the crash, and that apparently has never happened before, but I don't yeah. know um, for certain if that's true, because they also said no steel structure has ever collapsed as a result of a fire, so I don't know. But yeah. um, if the U.S. military did shoot down the plane, and yeah. this will sound callous, but, like, so what? Like, is that a bad thing? Yeah, no, I know. If, and like, if it saved more lives as well. Yeah. It could even be a good thing. Yeah. It's that it's obviously you know, 
there's no way of quantifying yeah. that because you want to save as many lives as possible and there's no way that we could have known but like if i found out that for certain the u.s military shot down that plane i don't think i'd be angry about it i guess the counter argument to what you're saying would be why couldn't like kind of fighter jets uh take hold of the plane or try and i don't know stop it from you know what I mean? Take hold of it mm. and maybe disrupt its uh, management system, like its control system, and try and take it down with the survivors I on d- it. I don't know. Is, is, yeah. I don't know if that's possible. Like. Yeah, I don't know either. I I assume that these terrorists anyway would have sooner crashed it into the ground. Exactly. And... Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to say. like maybe that is what actually happened. But if I get this correct. They overthrew the terrorists. Did, did they kill the terrorists? Is that known? No, there's... Basically, nobody knows what happened at all. There's no yeah. evidence to say this passenger was not a terrorist and he was in the cockpit, for example. There's there's, yeah. there's no evidence about what happened on the plane. And what about the black box? What does that say? Um, I don't know. But yeah. the black box doesn't uh, record visual. Well, no, you, you just need auditory, I guess, if people are talking. But I guess, yeah, why would the terrorists be talking at all? Yeah, well, like, they, they, the terrorists would be talking, but they wouldn't be communicating with radio terrors or any nearby, like, insult yeah, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So it, it's ultimately, effectively useless in this case. Yeah. Um. So, is that, are we done on 9-11? Yeah, I, I, I think it's opened a lot of doors that maybe we can... Step into another day. I'll tell you this. Dick Cheney was the vice president at the time. And George Bush went to Dick Cheney and was like... When when he was running for president and he was like... Listen, man, I need you to be my VP. Will you will you do this for me? And Dick Cheney was like, I can't because I'm the CEO of this oil company. Um, and that's what I do now. So, no, I will not do that. Uh, but I'll tell you this, George, I'll find someone to do it for you. And George was like, all right, thanks, man. And then Dick Cheney phoned George Bush up and he goes, all right, I've had a look. And it turns out that I am the only person who can do this. So I will be your VP. Um, So he left the oil company and he was given $31 million for leaving his post. Wow. And when America went into Iraq... And they first started to extract oil. Guess which company got the first contract on yeah. the oil. And it was for $1 billion. Jesus. Yeah. That is like a red flag right there. Like, yeah. that is fucked up, yo. Um, that is fucked up, but it's purely circumstantial, isn't completely, it, Completely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could argue that Dick Cheney is a horrible person and you'd be right. Um, yeah. ultimately he is a guy who would have found a way to capitalize on anything for his own gain and in this yeah, way he just exactly. did it in a major way but when figures like that are involved it's yeah. it's crazy it's crazy but like the, that's the thing I think it's perfectly conceivable that 9-11 as we know it wasn't an inside job that it was carried out by al-Qaeda terrorists but the US used it as a stepping stone to promote a further cause to which it wasn't even related and, in fact, purely benefited the U.S. itself. I think that's almost certainly true. Exactly, yeah. And But but I, I, like I, I think that that is not only very probable, but it's still kind of his reason to assume it's an inside job 
that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely gives them... Exactly, more credibility. Like yeah. if, if they basically just went after it, the Saudi people who kind of hijacked and put an investigation into that, then I think it would be kind of case closed if it's not. Like if they kind of put them on trial and had a full-blown investigation, but they kind of shot themselves in the foot, leaving the door open for people to believe it is a conspiracy by jumping from the Saudi assailants and going to Iraq and Afghanistan who had nothing to do with it. Yeah, that, that was such a mistake. But when you think about it, it could be a genius stroke because by creating all these conspiracy theories, like there's no easier way to shut down opponents than by having them basically create themselves or portray themselves in the light of conspiracy. This is slightly off topic, but it's something that I want to discuss in a future episode anyway. Um, do you think America has a cultural obsession with revenge? That's a good question. I've never thought about that, actually. What do you think? I think that they do, and I think, again, because I'm an idiot who only thinks one specific thing about the world, I think it's because of movies. Like, in every single movie, like, in every single action movie, someone does something to the good guy, the good guy fights back, kills every single bad guy. And I think, yeah. like, the idea to go and invade Iraq was something that both liberals and republicans agreed on the democrats were like fucking do it we need to do this and i've even seen like so so many prominent liberals who agree with the killing of osama bin laden and i don't i don't agree with the killing of bin laden at all like you're killing a guy who's done all this stuff like fine whatever but is that his like is that your justice like why not capture him and take him back and fair enough if you can't do that then kill him sure um I think yeah. if you're going to kill him, philosophically speaking, my reasoning for it would be that you are going to prevent future deaths because he's a well-known scumbag who likes to kill lots of people. So if you can't capture him, kill him so that you're saving future lives. But I don't think America did it for that reason. I think they did it because it... revenge. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to me, that seems baffling. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if, if somebody... I, I, I don't know. I just don't believe in the m murder of... I don't, I don't know. I guess it, it could even go back to the death penalty or whatever, but I... Yeah. Um, revenge doesn't make sense to me. Like, it, sure, it makes sense to me on a personal level, you know. It, when people stop me walling early on Age of Empires, I will fuck their life up for it because <laughs> it pisses me off. But yeah. that kind of revenge, I, I don't know that it's healthy or that it's... Honest. Especially, especially when that man basically represents the the enemy of an entire nation. Like those people, don't get anything out of him being kind of assassinated or murdered by like these amazing soldiers in the back arse of nowhere. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. that does that does nothing for the country's morale and sense of justice. Like, it's for them that the the war is being waged. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's something in there, but I mm. I don't know. I, I think revenge itself is a very interesting topic because I think on a base level, everybody is actually obsessed with revenge. Like e every single time you see an article like, oh, this rapist who raped a bunch of people just got raped in jail. Everyone is like, yes, good. And it's like, don't you get that when you say that, you are in favor of rape. You're saying that rape is good as long as it's used in the right way. Like, mm. that's weird to me. You can't be a culture that decries rape, but then 
when it happens to a guy who's raped people that you say it's good. I don't think that that's honest at all. Like, yeah, surely no, I know, you would... I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I can't... I can't really say, like, why other people think the way they do, but it just doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah. And sort of a, a satellite conspiracy surrounding 9-11, as you kind of went on to, like, the death of Osama bin Laden. Um, wasn't there some sort of incident after the death where a helicopter... I think, yeah. I, I don't know if that happened during the op, or I think that might have happened just before the SEAL team went in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember reading about that. I don't think there was anything suspect about that itself, other than the fact that it seemed to be a moment of sheer incompetence. But I think that there's um, a lot of skepticism around the actual death of Bin Laden itself, yeah. and, and whether or not it actually happened. Um, and, and I haven't read into it, because I have become such a tunnel-visioned ideologue over the last few <laughs> years that when I hear someone come to me with a conspiracy theory, I shut them down immediately as a lunatic. And that's yeah, a problem yeah. that I need to work on. But um, I'm more than happy to look into that for the next episode because I do think that that's a pretty interesting discussion. And also the Bin Laden family and George Bush Sr. being very good friends. So I, I have read into that now. It was about a year and a half ago, so I won't be able to uh, recall all of this correctly. But that's not actually unusual because the Bin Ladens are a really, really prominent family in Saudi Arabia. They own um, <clears throat> huge like oil industries and stuff like that. Um, they're responsible for a huge percentage of actual um, business conglomerates in Saudi Arabia. And... Osama was always the black sheep of the family like he was always a radical he was always extreme and as far as I know he was basically shunned by his family his mother kind of encouraged his um, radical thinking as far yeah. as I know but the family in general like he has lots of brothers and sisters I think definitely lots of siblings anyway I don't yeah know he definitely that. does yeah um, but 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 the family itself is like respected not worldwide okay. but it's definitely respected in the Middle East as you know they're businessmen and yeah. Osama himself doesn't represent the rest of his family's views so that that was one of the things was that on Fahrenheit 9-11 the Michael Moore documentary yeah, I think he alluded to it then yeah he kind of showed video footage yeah. of George Bush Sr. being received by the Bin Laden family yeah 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 um, so yeah like I mean that that's definitely true but I, I don't think that it's really indicative of a uh, yeah. inside job and isn't it funny that, like, kind of just to bring it to a more recent time point, Trump's executive order on the immigration ban did not include the country who provided the perpetrators to the biggest domestic terrorist incident in U.S. history. Yep. That's like, uh, that's just isn't, diplomacy, isn't it? It's a fucking disgrace. But isn't it, like, it, it's just fascinating. I, I guess, like, the way I'm trying to rationalize it now is as you kind of put Bin Laden as a black sheep, Maybe he literally was like the fly in the ointment of Saudi Arabia and his influence that sort of polluted the uh, idea that Saudi Arabia are allies with the US. Like yeah. were it not for him, they could still be fantastic allies. And in fact, like apart from like Israel, which is sort of ironic, like the greatest allies of the US in the Middle East. It is. Yeah, it is. And, and another weird thing that I think about America is how they're so unwilling to criticize Saudi Arabia publicly. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. And, and yet they criticize China all the fucking time. 
every yeah. single American politician has something negative to say about China, right? Yeah. Always. Every single time. When Mitt Romney was running, that was his main thing, is that we need to make it a level playing field because China are importing our jobs at a lower rate and it's not fair. And obviously Trump has had so many things to say about China. Not China. least that they are uh, the ones responsible for the myth of global warming. But yeah. here's what I don't get, right? The U.S. government owes 1.2 trillion dollars to China. Like that's the wow. money that they owe them. It's it's like, like shut the fuck up. Stop slating yeah. these people. They have sourced your. They funded your fucking capitalism for I it's don't like, know how many years. It's like pissing on the bank manager who provided your mortgage, his car. <laughs> yeah, and he's not gonna do anything about it. Like, exactly. It, I, so it, weird. It blows my mind. It's it's yeah. like this posturing and flexing and it's so yeah. fake. Like shut the fuck up and give them their money back. Yeah. Like when you become a thriving economy again and like you know you're bigger than that, then go and say all the snarky shit that you want. But at the moment yeah. you're China's bitch. Like Yeah. Like oh, it it blows my mind. It's so weird. International diplomacy and it's so odd. It's so weird. Um, so that was a really intense discussion about nine eleven. Um, Twas. And next on the list is school shootings. So I don't want to actually talk about school shootings just yet. Um, mm. I'll say uh, one one thing that I I did want to discuss was the nature of conspiracy theory culture in general and how much it's grown. Because I, I mentioned obviously that since nine eleven, it, it's kind of shifted it into the mainstream, and it's now acceptable to have these opinions, or at least it's now not only acceptable, but actively encouraged for you to be skeptical about pretty much everything that happens in the world. So um, I think that conspiracy theory culture has given rise to people who question everything, even if it's blindly, like every single yeah. time the sun does something controversial or they do something stupid or the daily mail or whatever, the response from casual, like armchair politics or, you know, armchair conspiracy theorists or whatever is always like, well, it doesn't matter. They're doing it for the money. It's all publicity anyway. Like I feel yeah. like, I feel like no one actually critically analyzes anything anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that that is in part down to people like Alex Jones. So do you want to just have a discussion about Alex Jones? I'd love to. He is... Oh, so, um, before we started recording, I was telling John that um, about 10 or 11 years ago, I watched the first Zeitgeist movie by Peter Joseph, and it blew my fucking mind. Like, it opened up this whole new avenue of the actual truth and how the whole world as I knew it was a lie, all gods are fake, 9-11 was an inside job... Um, there is a new world order, shadow government operating behind the scenes, controlling everything. Um, all the world is a stage. The politicians that you see are puppets. They're not even in charge of anything. And Alex Jones is the only guy brave enough to speak the truth. So I used to listen to Alex Jones's radio show. I used to be a huge fan of his. Of his. Um, I used to be really into Infowars.com and all that stuff. Um mm. So I have just destroyed my own reputation. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I, I so as, as I grew up and learned to question everything in depthly and not just be a sheep to the alternative thing and think that it was everyone else who was the sheep, um, I have become obviously more enlightened and sensible, but I cannot shake the soft spot that I have for Alex Jones. Yeah, I know. I think he's a great guy. 
Um, yeah. I recently read a book called Them Adventures with Extremists by John Ronson. Mm. And in it, he tells of the first time that he met Alex Jones. And Alex Jones was 25 years old. And uh, he was rebuilding the church that was destroyed during the Waco siege. Um, okay. And Alex Jones, like, in fairness to people who, like, sympathize with the victims of that siege, like, the government had no right to go in there. They they basically just completely defied all orders and killed a bunch of kids. Um, and, yeah, Alex Jones was, uh, he was rebuilding the church and he was helping out the people and stuff. And he'd gained so much traction uh, like he was just a journalist back then, like a normal mm. guy. He had a radio show and he had two employees and he did his radio show out of his bedroom in Texas and he, he brought John Ronson back to his bedroom and um, he showed him like his broadcast and then his broadcast got knocked off the air and there was a guy outside messing with the power cables. Like, you know, a, an employee from the electricity company was fixing the wires, climbing yeah. up the ladders, right? And then and John Ronson tells this story of how Alex Jones was like, God damn the New World Order. And like, <laughs> he, he marched outside of his home and walked up to the guy. The guy was up a ladder, so Jones couldn't physically do anything to him. And he was like, I'm on to you, God damn it. You guys are shutting my show off all the time. The New World Order will pay for it. <laughs> like, oh, this, just shouting to some electric like employee who's like fixing some power shortage. <laughs> and Jones is shouting that he's the New World Order. So, um... That's amazing. Yeah, a lot of people question, like, does Alex Jones actually believe everything that he says? And the answer is yes, he does. Um, and I think that there's a certain amount of Alex Jones you can listen to where you will actually become a more enlightened person. But yes. But he cannot keep a lid on the, oh, it's the New World Order. <laughs> like, yeah, he just yeah. cannot stop making the leap from, Jesus, that's really weird, to this is proof that a shadow government is conspiring to keep us all miserable. Yeah, no, exactly. It's childlike. Like, like it's it's almost as if he's his own worst enemy. Yeah, yeah, completely. But but he's I find him intoxicating. Like you know what I mean? I, it's it, when you watch him, like you just become entranced by this guy who seems like he's possessed, uh, who seems to believe everything he's saying and is coming out with, at one like on one hand like the most outlandish things you've ever heard but on the, on the other like he seems to be able to back a lot of it up yeah and he's also predicted a lot of things that have happened yeah 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 like like he's not an idiot he's just a very animated guy who is maybe loose with the end game at time i i don't know yeah. um john ronson really beautifully described him as a beat poet of paranoia and interesting i think that's such a nice way of looking at him because it does speak to his talent like he's so articulate like he's one of the best broadcasters i've ever heard in my life like i i could listen to him for actually i couldn't i i, I can't listen to alex jones on an empty stomach like i need to like i need to have eaten um i need to be wide awake and then when I'm done listening to him, I'm drained and I need to go to bed. Like, he's just yeah, so yeah. energetic that he makes me physically tired. Um, but d did you listen to his entire Joe Rogan episode? I did. I found it fascinating. Yeah. And so I thought Joe Rogan did a really good job at, like, pulling him back and making him extrapolate on his points. Which he did. He, did, he doesn't do himself justice because, like, a lot of the time he has got, like, the flesh of the points there. But he just needs someone to sort of prod and poke it out of him. 
Yeah, the, the most notable point was when Joe Rogan was talking about Hillary and how much of a demon she is, and he, and he was like, yeah, and she stole these six states, and, and then she went, and Joe Rogan was like, whoa, 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 whoa. slow down, what, what do yeah, you mean she yeah. stole? And then he explained it all perfectly reasonably. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he should do that more instead of coming across as a fucking raving lunatic. But I guess, who am exactly, I to talk? Yeah. He has, like, what, 100 million listeners every week or something like that. Yeah, um, that's ridiculous. But yeah, he he um he Joe did a did an amazing job. But I I I I find there to be something like sweet natured about Alex Jones in some way. Like yeah, I totally get that too. Yeah. When at, at towards the very end, when he was like, uh, "Are we gonna go get something to eat after?" I, <laughs> yeah. I just I don't know. I wanted to give him a hug or something. I like, know. Yeah. Exactly. He, he just seemed like such a kid. Like. Yeah, like just such a normal, regular guy. Yeah, yeah. And so innocent at, on some level. Yeah, it's weird. It's so weird. Yeah, He's... no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I don't know what that desire is. Although I do know that there's a, a word unique to the Philippines, and it's giggle, and it basically means that feeling you get when you see a really cute baby and you just want to squeeze its cheeks. Really? Yeah, it's it's like one of those untranslatable words, like komorebi in Japanese. Or koi no yokan in Japanese. Koi yo no kan. Yeah. Like, yeah, what does that mean? It means uh, premonition of love. It's like when you meet someone and you don't love them, but you think that you might very well love them. Ah, at some lovely. point, yeah. It's the name That's of um, Deftones' album from 2012. Awesome, ah, cool. awesome album. Everyone should listen to it. Um, but yeah, it's such a cool phrase. Um, I have to say, I don't ever feel the need to squeeze a baby's cheeks. I yeah, I think it's a big thing over there. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's interesting how if you put a word like that into the language, it probably becomes more of a thing. But um, Sapir Wharf. I'm. What's that? You know the Sapir Wharf. Oh, that's this Sapir Wharf hypothesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I knew I knew it, and then I was like, is is that another word that's a thing that I don't... Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think babies are cute at all, and I never have any desire to even look at a baby. Um, really? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. baby animals? Um, sure, yeah. Like, I like cats and stuff. <laughs> um, but I... Yeah, maybe... Yeah, with animals, I do. But not with kids at all. Yeah. I, I'm actually quite afraid of babies, to be honest. They demand so much responsibility. Like, animals are so good at fending for themselves. I think that partly explains your yeah, reticence to engage with them. The The concept of holding a baby is terrifying to me. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm Do you ever have that a... fear that you'll drop it? Yeah. 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 I, I'm just a mess of, like fear and anxiety when it comes to like yeah. just social interaction with other humans <laughs> can't do it um yeah so how much time do you have left because you've got something I've else probably on. got like about 10 minutes left okay right well it, it's fair to say we're not going to get into the meet your topics here which is good because it means we're definitely going to get a part two um sweet so this episode is pretty much all about 9-11 i guess um, to close off, we could touch on the nature of the Illuminati as they're currently perceived by idiots um, and just yes. the idea that so there is a secret society ruling the world behind the scenes. Um, the most fascinating thing about this to me is that there's not. OK, so um, we'll flesh this out in the next episode. We'll talk about the Bilderberg group. We'll talk about uh, Bohemian Grove. We'll talk about stuff like that. I'm fine with that. Mm. But for now, 
Um, I see on Facebook a lot people who genuinely believe that Jay-Z and Beyonce are communicating with the Illuminati through symbols in their music videos and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so I, you would be forgiven for thinking that this is uh, a meme, an inside joke that everyone is in on, but there are people who genuinely believe this. Um, it's mad. What is the thinking there? Like I know. I, have you ever heard of any of the Denver airport conspiracies? No. So Denver Airport is a ridiculously eerily decorated airport. Uh, if you look at like some of the um, the iconography, the imagery, the paintings that they have hung up and, and stuff like that, it makes no fucking sense that it's an airport. It was designed by some Masonic artist or something like that. So mm. obviously there's a, another whole element to that because the, the Freemasons are ruling the world, of course. Um, <laughs> but... Basically, people think that Denver Airport and all of these things, it's a hub for debauchery, insanity. It's where they're going to store humans so that they can kill them all um, and stuff like that. And it's just this idea to me. um, it, It used to be my... There's a thing, I think it says, together we soar, is what it says in Denver Airport. And people have gone through that and come up with um, the anagram woe to gatherers which used to be my bio on Twitter because I actually think it sounds awesome um, yeah. but but it all comes back to this, this thing about like Jay-Z and Beyonce communicating with symbols and stuff like what? I, I don't get the thinking behind a shadowy force ruling the world and fucking communicating the fact that they rule the world through poetry and imagery and stuff i know i know it's, what it's is that so ridiculous like nobody leaving does it completely that. leaving it open to the public to like yeah interpret it and decipher it that's just like, the it, stupidest it makes... fucking shit <laughs> just like the music i ah, know i'm only joking oh whoa. jay-z is amazing but beyonce now come on mm. Beyonce keeps coming up. I think you have an obsession. Oh, no, I do. <laughs> Full on admit it. She's the queen. Like, the greatest woman alive. I, like, I'm so happy that I'm alive at the same time as her. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't see it. Like, sure, she's attractive, but, like, she wouldn't even be in the top 100 girls I can call to mind right now. She's not even in the top 100 girls I could call to my house right now. No, um, <laughs> I, I don't know why I said that. Um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you're, I, you're planning a gangbang, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Is it a gangbang if there's only one guy? But you're going to be gangbanged. Oh. They're, they're bringing uh, toys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I was meant to tell you about that when, we were, when we were planning this. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Don't worry, I have enough lube. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this podcast yeah. is going places. Remember that time yeah. we discussed... You're going to the ED. <laughs> Remember that time we talked about 9-11 and being gangbanged by an army of attractive women with toys? <laughs> <laughs> There's worse ways to go, in fairness. Yeah. That's Not true. many, but... <laughs> um, yeah. Um, any comments on the <laughs> Illuminati at all? I just want to finish with a quote by Mark Twain that I think is really cool. He's like the master of quotes. Like, you think Oscar Wilde is good? Mark Twain is the man. Listen to this. It's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. 
Yeah. Like, th- I, that is just incredible. And it just goes to show, like, the absolute lack of awareness. Like, can you imagine the, the crappy magicians who were around back then? And even then he could still come up with a quote like that. You know, like, imagine if imagine if David Blaine was around the time that he fucking came up with that quote it would probably be even 10 times more profound. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw a man fucking levitate, Mark Twain. What are you on about? <laughs> Shit, I need to rewrite this quote. I didn't nearly capture the idiocy. Mark Twain was just a regular author. Um like he Ooh, he publishes he published No, 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 no. That's the start of the story of why he's ah, so great. Okay. Um so he had his first book published and the publishers were like, "All right, you need to go on a tour." And he was like, "What?" And they were like, "Yeah, you got to go promote this book in different places." And he was like, "Fine." And he reluctantly went along with it. And um at different parts of the tour, he did uh um like he'd do a speak about he'd do a speech <laughs> <laughs> about the book, um, and then he'd answer questions and stuff, and people would come away like journalists and stuff with so many profound quotes that the wow. attraction of Mark Twain became his tour rather than his actual writings, and that's amazing. That's when he started becoming a philosopher and like a like a free thinker, like a guy who was basically just paid to say amazing things he's a genius and kind of what he can do so parsimoniously with a few words seems to just tap into the very nature of humanity and and, and capture something that's so i don't know eternal and true about the human condition it, it, it's amazing reading a quote and just seeing humanity there captured sublimely i don't know i just really like it vonnegut did a really good job of that as well i think i don't know much of there's a lot yeah his his books are very um not complex not contrived but they're difficult i, I yeah. think i i is he but, german um or he was maybe dutch he was american um american. but Shit, i migrants. think he was of german uh heritage i'm not too sure okay, but okay. His, his um his earlier books are, are very tough to get into um, mm. apparently he really came into his own later on but I've, I've never read any of his later stuff um, but even if you just google uh, Kurt Vonnegut quotes like you'll find some really interesting quotes So 
there you have it, folks. It turns out it was 9-11 all along. That whole time. Who would have thought? Anyway, the song ending the episode is Smile by Deftones. It's from the Eros Project, which never actually made, never saw the light of day um, due to the death of Chi Cheng, one of their members. Uh, but it is an awesome song, and they're an awesome band. And they did release an album in 2016 called Gore, and I really like it. It's probably one of my favorite albums of theirs. Uh, they're all my favorite albums, I think. Apart from Saturday Night Wrist, that was a little bit hit and miss. That rhymed. I should be in Deftones. See what, what I did with the rhyming? Anyway, I hope you guys liked that episode. Again, if you had any um, questions or comments or, you know, anything at all to add, uh, you can leave it in the comment section or you can check out the subreddit page, which is reddit.com slash or slash midnight hour. And that will all be linked in the description along with the merchandise page if you want to buy a t-shirt and all of that kind of stuff. So that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed. I will hopefully see you next week, you know. Hopefully next week I don't get polio in the middle of the week or leprosy or something because that's the trend of my current physical well-being. It's outrageous how unwell I've been over the last while. But hey, that's what happens when you don't eat vegetables or fruit. I've been El De Niro. Fuck this. Yeah.